Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm Cesar Hernandez, your host for tonight. And joining me is T-Bone himself, Tom <laughs> Marshall. How are you doing, Tom? Uh, do you still have Super Bowl fever? Uh, I know you're a huge, huge American football fan, right? Or am I thinking of somebody else? Yeah, I feel a bit sorry for the 69ers, but at the end of the day, Kansas City's, <laughs> they brought it home. They brought it home. And uh, fair play to the great state of Kansas. Tom, who's your favorite uh, Kansas City player? Um, Mahomes. Okay, name, name a second one. Bill Smith. Is that actually? I I only, I only <laughs> I have know no one. idea. That <laughs> might that might actually be a player. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the uh, Super Bowl segment over with. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <that's> <laughs> I, did, I did watch a bit of it. Uh, Bad Bunny yeah. was on there, wasn't he? At the, the halftime. Yeah. Uh, J Lo, Shakira. Did you actually? So what? What did you think about it? As like someone who doesn't like watch, it's weird we're talking about this in Mexican soccer show. But I don't know if it's it's but it's what the whole sports world's talking about. I was like looking at like some like the Mexican sports papers, and all of them were talking about the Super Bowl. So I mean, everybody's been focusing on it. So really quickly, I, what did what did you think about the whole Super Bowl spectacle? Like the um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the the sports to be honest. Like I don't, yeah. I, don't I don't hate it, and I don't. You know, obviously, I don't, <laughs> I don't like. I'm not gonna start slamming it, but I don't know. I'm just not. I just don't like it that much. Um, and I don't know. Like, obviously, the halftime show is great and all that. And obviously, I don't know. I think, I think in the states, I mean, you know, for, you know, you you know way better than me. But just having somebody at the big, you know, real American event like that, and they start singing in Spanish, I think is, uh, you know, I think it's important as well. But. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, and I don't know. It's it's not for me though. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, um, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know. But obviously, the the way they do the spectacle is is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, if, if it was up to me, you know, I, I like I like games where you go to the stadium and they don't play any music beforehand because the atmosphere, you know, kind oh, of generates yeah. itself. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? And like, you don't need anybody kind of you know, lifting the atmosphere. I mean, if you go to an Argent- Argentine game, you know, a big derby, classic in Argentina, that you don't you don't need anybody on the PA, you know, yeah. telling people this and blasting tunes. I mean, it's just, it's more organic, the, the atmosphere. But I mean, you know, you got to respect the, the Americans. Um, you know, they're very, very good. They're very, very good at producing that show. You know, the, the, you know, in terms of PR, in terms of, creating that spectacle the talking points you know getting it all i mean it's just it is amazing the way they do it you know the way it's all kind of contrived with the adverts and the star name singing and and i don't know it is it is pretty impressive to be honest well that was an honest and genuine answer from you i thought you were gonna kind of like joke and i was gonna like joke around and be like i don't even watch it because actually i didn't even <laughs> I uh I, I went to the, I went to, I went to the store. Actually I went to the store. Uh it was great. No one was at the store. It was fantastic. How long did you go for? Uh long, just, it's a long game as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is a long game. Start and stuff. Yeah, I went to the store, did some writing, and then I watched the fourth quarter, which is actually pretty good. But yeah, and I don't <laughs> fourth quarter was good. That's, good. That's <laughs> what I did. I was just doing a bit of work and then I was like, oh, I'll watch the fourth quarter. I'll watch the halftime show and then the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anywho, Tom, we are here to talk about Mexican soccer. This is the Mexican soccer show after all. So let's dive into the big question of the day. So we're a few weeks in. The league table is looking a little strange. There's some big teams are out of the top eight. Some unexpected teams are in the top eight. So more than any other league of Mikey side, 
for you, which team has exceeded the most expectations for you? Exceeded them? Oh, it's it's such a tough question because there's so many yeah. there's so many teams. But I think the two weeks and there's so many teams that I've done, and also the league table is so tight. I mean, you know, you look from you know fourth to to fifteenth. There's only three points in it. Um, yeah. But I think you know, I, I think <laughs> I don't know who to go for it yet. I should have planned this better. But um, Tom, we talked about this before we started recording. Come on, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for. I want to go for a small club, but I'm going to go for a big club. I'm going to go for Pumas. Ah, oh, that's what I was thinking. All right, was I'll it? Think of ah, damn. I'll think of another. No, no, you continue with Pumas. I'll go <laughs> No, I just think Pumas were slammed. You know, I mean, the, for the for the players they brought in, um, Sebastian Salcedo, uh, Fabio Alvarez, two players who'd come in from the states, and you know, I don't know. I just think. I don't think much was expected of him. You know, Johan Vasquez coming on loan from Monterrey. Um, you know, and largely, this, apart from those guys, Mayorga as well on loan from, from Chivas. I mean, I, I just think a lot of people thought that would that would be another season of kind of boomers floating around mid-table and, or lower table, you know what I mean? And, and, and when I've watched them play, I've watched them play live twice as well. And they just look like under Michel, they've got it together and... I don't know. Like there's a, there's a belief within the squad. You know, they've they've two wins and two draws, and they're up there fighting. And and yeah, they look. I'm I'm surprised. I thought they'd be. I thought they'd, based on what what the squad looked like before the season, I thought they looked. Um, they've looked really good. Yeah, I think, I think so. Pumas was my number one option, but I have to stick with my number two option here. And I'm going with the only team within the top eight that has played three games. I'm going with Nikaxa. Because I think somewhat related to what you were saying there about Bumas, I think with Nikaxa, you, you see a team like that, and it makes sense that over the offseason, they're going to sell a lot of players. And you see, like, Angulo left, Calderon left, Fernando Mesa left, Alexis Pena left. Like, they had a number of big players who ended up leaving the team. And you kind of thought, okay... This is going to be every building season for Nick Oxa. They're going to have uh, some trouble here in early 2020. And I know that they've only played those three matches, but I mean, it's it's still pretty impressive that they've bounced right back up. They have two wins and a draw, and it looks like quietly they're going to continue to do very well this season. It wouldn't be that surprising. And that seems to be, I know, <laughs> what they did last year or last season too, just quietly doing well, just like, not at the very top of the table, like like Santos or like, but more so just kind of like quietly sneaking through to the playoffs without making too much noise. But yeah, like I said, I'm I'm pretty impressed with the players that they let go and the fact that they're still you know within the top eight. But obviously, having someone like Quiroga still in the squad definitely helps. But for me, it's Nicaxa. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating what they've done to be honest, because you know I think that that would be the other team that I'd, I think the number two team that I'd pick just for you know for the reasons you said. I mean, it is. It's just like every season or the last few seasons they've gone into it, and I've been thinking, no, this is this is the season that it kind of all falls apart. You know that this strategy of selling and and buying cheap and and still being successful, you know, relatively successful because they've not they've not won a title, but they're reaching playoffs. And I thought yeah. this is the season that it's not it's going to fall apart, but you know, obviously it doesn't look like it has. I'd, I think I'd I'd also. You know, I think Juarez as well have been. Yeah. They look. I mean, not just because of that victory against um, against Club America, but they played well against um, 
against Pumas a couple of weeks back. Um, and, and San Luis, San Luis again, you know, yeah. um, un, undefeated, um, you know, came back against Chivas over the weekend from 2-0 down and pulled it back to 2-2. So I think those two teams as well have like, I think that's one of the reasons why we're looking at this table now and we're seeing, um, you know, we're seeing some of the lesser known or the smaller teams higher up. I mean, it's so early days, but, you know, even, you know, Monterrey down in 17th. Um, but, yeah. but I think, I think you know, San Luis and Juarez and, and, and the other one is, is you know, Veracruz not being there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I think just, I don't know, it just makes this, you, you go through the league now and, you know, there's not like a really, really bad team. I mean, there's teams that are better than others, obviously, like there is in every league. But for me, there's not a kind of team that you think that is a, you know, that's a terrible team. Yeah. No, agreed, agreed. So, Tom, let's dive into the pod. Let's dive into today's episode. So really quickly, yeah, we're going to talk about Liga Mekis. Uh, we're going to talk a little bizarro, uh, give you a little update on what's going on there. Maybe he's going to go uh, to Major League Soccer. Maybe he isn't. We'll, uh, we'll t- analyze and discuss that. Talk about women's Olympic qualifying, because that's a huge, huge week for Mexico's women's uh, national team. And if we have a little bit of time, we'll talk maybe a little bit about the Europeos. But, I mean, there isn't really much to talk about because of the Europeos. But, so, so let's let's first talk about Leon. It's a shrinking segment, isn't it? Yeah. It's a I mean, shrinking it's, segment. Yeah, um... it's really worrisome. It's really, really worrisome. Because, I mean, just kind of like looking behind the curtain here. Because, like, when I was, when earlier today when we were talking about, oh, like, what should we talk about in today's podcast? And I was looking at the different results for the Mexicans, like, in Europe. And I was like, okay, maybe... There's maybe something with Jimenez. Well, Tecatito did something, but maybe we'll, we'll go something else. And then you just look at it and you just realize, man, like, what what is there to talk about? I mean, Tecatito did well. But yeah. Are we hoping that Omar Govea becomes player of the month again in, like, Belgium? I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we'll get into it when, uh, when yeah. we talk about Pizarro. I think yeah. I think all that's, I think it's linked to me, you know? I mean, yeah. I, th- I mean, we should be talking about Pizarro in Europe, but anyways. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> let's go Liga MX first. Yeah, and, uh... Tom, what's what stood out to you? This, I mean, we, we, you hit on a, a few other different things there. Uh, we were t- looking at the league table, but what else stood out to you this Liga MX weekend? I mean, quite. I mean, I think there's a lot. There's a lot that went on. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, where, where to start? I'll, I'll probably go with. I'll probably start with Pachuca. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean I thought that I thought it was a big win for for Pachuca. I think you know the, before that they'd been, they'd been really struggling. I think they'd only had one point before this game. Um and you know you you got a, a manager in uh, Pezzolano who's what 37 or something. You yeah, know doesn't have, the, yeah. doesn't have a massive pedigree coming into this league and to start with with those three results, one point from the first three games, and then you come at home to Tigres, and you think, you know what? If this guy loses this other game, another game, you know, four games gone, you know, I mean, it's league Max, but Pachuca as good as they are in certain things, they they do get rid of coaches. I mean, they've not been frightened yeah. to to kind of change. I mean, I remember, um, what's it called, the the Spaniard, um. I can't remember his name now. Yeah, I forget too. Yeah, what's he called? Uh, the former assistant to Rafa Rafa Benitez, you know, and he was out early in the season, um, and so yeah, it was. It, I thought it was a, a really important result for uh, for Pachuca. Um, you know, it could have been bigger. You know, Sambuesa missing the penalty as well, um, and and you know, the, the back they're back in there now. They've got a bit of confidence behind them. Colin Kazi. 
Kazim Richards as well, you know, yeah. on the score sheet. Um, yeah, if you, if you actually look at his kind of expected goals, it's actually really good. Um, and it's even better when you put it into the perspective of the fact that he played for Veracruz last season. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's right up there as like, you know, one of the highest of the, you know, if you go back over the last few years in Liga MX, his, his expected goals is actually one of the highest, which is, which is crazy when you think about, you know, how bad Veracruz were and how few chances, um, you know, that team created. But yeah, and I think the flip side is Tigres. I mean, I think it's, you know, a legitimate question. And I know, and I, I get kind of a, a bit bored about this this kind of talk about who's a big club and who's not a big club. But, I mean, if you're going to count Tigres as a big club, I mean, this has been a really, really bad start to the season. I mean, we can change the wording. We're saying they're Liga Mekis powerhouse. It doesn't have to be one of the, the big four. They're a powerhouse. Yeah. Liga Mekis powerhouse. Yeah. There's no yeah, no, the only reason I mentioned that as well, because it kind of feeds in that if, you know, if you compare the reaction to Tigres uh, losing to Pachuca away, compared to the reaction to Chivas drawing away to San Luis, and I know that I know, you know, San Luis came from behind and it was seen as kind of two points lost, but it's still like the, the reaction against Chivas is massive. The reaction against America losing at home massive, and the reaction to Tigres losing losing away. Isn't that isn't that massive? You know what I mean? It's but, because it's because it's because them qualifying for the playoffs still seems like an inevitable thing. And I know, yeah. like, I, I feel like I repeat myself so many times saying this, but it's just like what's going to happen is just they're just going to slowly gain some speed, slowly gain some momentum. Junyak's going to step up again, and they're going to qualify for the playoffs. Maybe that's why it isn't that big of a deal because it's just this trust, and because it's because it's it's, it's Tuka too. If it, maybe if it was a different team, you'd be like, oh, look at this new manager. Can he do it? Can he keep it up? I'm not sure if he could do it. Like. I feel like that conversation gets thrown out the window because it's Thuka and you're like, ah, he'll figure it out. He, he's, a, he's a veteran of the league. He knows as a, as a manager, he'll know what to do. Maybe that's part of the reason why people aren't freaking out just yet because they think, oh, don't worry. It, you know, it usually takes a little bit of time to, to find their momentum. Maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah. And, and I sometimes wonder with Tigres if they even do a proper preseason, you know, yeah. for, the, for the second half of the year. I mean, you know, you look at, They've got the kid Martinez playing at left back, and yeah. you know they're just getting getting rid of those minor mid- minutes early on in the season. <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of tells you where the the mindset is. But the, the only thing I would say, says that is, um, I watched him in the Azteca against America, and watching him the other, you know, against Pachuca. I mean, they were terrible. I mean, they've been absolutely dire. I mean, just like, I mean, the, the attack has been good, right? I feel like I feel like uh, it's just. I mean, it's just. It's like. Like typical, like Thuka ball, but like it feels like they aren't taking enough opportunities or net. It just feels like I don't see them like hitting the target anymore. I feel like I yeah, don't see just, it. Like, yeah, it's slow. It's kind of predictable. It's boring. You know, it's dull. To be honest, it's it's really dull. I mean, you know, I thought uh, Nico Lopez there would would kind of freshen the attack up a little bit as well. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it has been poor. But anyway, that's that's probably one of the things that stood out to me. Um, what about you? If you were if you were to pick out one thing. Uh, so actually it has to be, uh, Sunday's match. And I'm saying this as someone who actually didn't catch the game, but because it was yesterday, it was a little bit of a chaotic day. I had some like work to do. And then there's all those Super Bowl madness and whatnot. So I don't think a lot of other people paid attention to it too much, but I'm basing this just off watching extended highlights and looking at some of the stats, but that the Luca three Crucisul three game looked like it was incredible. <laughs> like, I mean, and there's like so many things to talk about, even just from like the extended highlights I was watching just, uh. You know, uh, you know, you know, little Chaco, you know, Chaco Jimenez Jr., Santiago Jimenez, his first ever league MX goal. 
which is obviously good news because we need more Mexican strikers to step up. Uh, you, there were two penalties in the game. Cruz Azul hit the woodwork twice. <laughs> the Luca like initially had a narrow two to one lead, and they eventually finished with an equalizer in the ninety third minute to make it three to three. So I think when it looks like just when it comes like the the jam packed action from the weekend, I mean it looks like that was definitely the game that stood out the most to to me, at least from like watching some of the highlights. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I think I think that um, Leo Leo Fernandez as well with his two goals and that last yeah. goal was just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. you I thought it was gonna, the, like one of those. You thought it was gonna like rip the net or something. <laughs> yeah, I watched him the game before as well. I can't yeah. remember who they're playing now. Um, the the week before, and he he, he absolutely stood out again. Yeah. Um, actually, he might have been in the cup against Atlas. Mm-hmm. Um, or was it Chivas? I can't remember now. But, <laughs> but I mean. He, he looks to be an absolutely outstanding young talent. Um, I believe he's actually on loan from Tigris, which is pretty ironic given that yeah. you know, Tigris has really struggled and, and, and this guy, um, you know, and, and this guy is basically, you know, I don't know, he, he looks like he could run a, be one of the signings of the season. Um, obviously, it's early doors, but yeah, no, it's, it's quite good to see Toluca, you know, at least have a bit more spark about him. I know they yeah. you know, they're, they're not the finished article by any means. But um, but you know the fact that they've you know they come from behind against Cruz Azul and the scoring goals again. I don't know. It's kind of good to see a, a Toluca team with a bit more. I don't know, just just a bit more excitement because I don't know, they've just been a team for me that I don't know, kind of not been. They've been boring for the last couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> get it straight out there. They've not been very exciting. So so good to see. And yeah, I mean, I think for Cruz Azul, I know Elias Hernandez missed the penalty, but. Um, He's a, he's had a great start to twenty twenty, um, and and if you are you know on paper, you know he's pushing for a for Mexico's spot, and I know his yeah. age will probably kind of you know rule him out of that. Um, but I mean he, he scored already a, a couple of really really good goals this season, um, and I tell you another player who I'd put in that same category is, and people will laugh, <laughs> but Pablo Barrera. Has been absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's been—he's just showing that kind of form he showed when he was like a youngster, like back in what 2010. He's shown—he's definitely shown like flashes of that since he's come back to Mexico, and you definitely see little glimpses of that of him standing out. And I think my issue with him is that, yeah, if he was an up-and-coming player, I'd be like, call him up to the national team. But I think you just gotta think about the future here, and it's just that I—I I, can't—I can't. I can't see I can't I can't see a space for him at the national team I I, I yeah. at this point I, it's no, just no. it's just be very very difficult for him no yeah definitely no yeah I'm not saying um you know that I'd, I'd call him up but I mean it is you're saying you would you start know. him over Chucky okay. come on Tom <laughs> I mean, come on Tom I mean Chucky don't even play these days so it's, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> but yeah um what else can we point out um I'll, I'll go for you know Rafa Puente you know in Atlas right. and and I thought that was a you know, a big win. I mean, you know, Atlas are in eighth place after four games, and they've already yeah. changed the manager. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely bizarre when you look at you know league mates like that. But um, but yeah, I thought it was an important win for uh, for Atlas. But should we get into uh, the Chivas performance and and what we think of that? Yeah, I mean, okay. So for those who uh, didn't get a chance to see that. Uh, at least uh, for me, the big news heading into this San Luis Chivas game was that Oribe Peralta was going to get the start. 
you were thinking, all right, you know, what chance that she was attacking to have in this game. But then Trophy's got a goal in the 15th minute. And then Oribe got a goal uh, off a penalty in the 36th minute. So you thought, all right, here we go. I guess Chivas are going to get a, a decent win against the San Luis side. But of course, San Luis bounced back, scored in the 56th, and then got the game winner in the 92nd minute. So, I mean... I mean, I mean, they're they're decent. There there are a couple decent names in that San Luis roster. I mean, it's just about the the Peterame and Ibanez, Camilo Mayada. But for the most part, it's a it's a it's a fairly unexciting team. And for them to be in the top eight right now, and for them to fight back against Chivas, I thought it was very 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 impressive. But of course, I think most people are who are listening to this are probably Chivas fans who are extremely angry at what they saw. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if there was one team winning that game, it was San Luis. I think they were the best team over the 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Chivas, you know, they'll be disappointed not to get the three points, but, you know, at least they held on for the, you know, for the draw in the end because, you know, it could have it gone very different, differently that game. Um, but, no, I, I really like this San Luis team. I, yeah. I, you know, I think that Anderson, um, Julio Anderson, I think he's going to be a lot of fun this season on on the wing for San Luis and that birthday guy. Um, he's he's only quite young as well, the Argentine. I think those two are down the wing. They're going to cause some real problems. Um, yeah. I also like Catalan, the right yeah. back. I think he, yeah. he really gets up and down the wing well. Um, and so yeah, I think I think they've got a decent chance this season. San Luis, Chivas. I mean, the big question is, I don't think there's any question about if is this. Chivas team good enough to get to the playoffs and all that kind of thing. I mean, it clearly is. I mean, we've seen even even what we've seen so far this season, it's not been great a lot of the time, but they've just got so many options. And even when with the injuries now, you know, um, with Macias out and and um, Cisneros, Ronaldo Cisneros suspended yeah. as well, you've still got Peralta there. And I, I know people kind of laugh and make fun of Peralta and all that, but at the end of the day, He's he's you know he's Peralta and and he's your third choice striker. So you know there's, there's ways of looking at things, and I think that you know having a third choice striker is you know is a I mean it's it's a positive. It's a positive to have that strength in depth. Um, I think you add to that Sepulveda there. I think has been yeah. absolutely. He's looking absolutely brilliant. Um, he's looking like you know I don't know kind of you know it's time to get get excited about him. I think Beltran as well. Is um, is showing showing signs that he's going to be a really good player, um, but yeah, I think overall the big question is: is Tenner the right guy to kind of, you know, to to take control of the reins, to to harness all his talent and manage the, you know, it must be really difficult with with so many players wanting minutes, and yeah. you know, you have to question is has what he's done with the cup and kind of bringing the the new players, you know, playing them first in the cup and then the older players in the in Liga MX and and then kind of basically trying to match them off against each other and kind of, I imagine his idea is that, you know, obviously Chivas out of the cup now, so now we're going to see kind of the real star in eleven. but it's a difficult one. Um, I mean, if you were to ask, would you prefer Almeida or Tenner <laughs> with, yeah. with this Chivas squad? I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any, I don't think many people that would say Tenner, but at the same time, Chivas haven't lost yet this season in the league. Um, you know they're still in the playoff positions, and and even though Tenner might not be the the best person for the job, it's still kind of I don't know. I don't think you can take it away. I think you have to give him a chance. You know what I mean? There I needs to be more to patience. Him... There needs to be That's, more yeah. patience. Yeah, with this with this project. I think you have to give him this season, and I, and I think you have. 
I think you have to give him this season and see how it all plays out because, you know, I think it's it might take another transfer window for this Chivas team as well. In, in in terms of and it might not it not might not be bringing players in it might be actually getting rid of a few players and and just for the harmony of the squad but um but we'll see what they do you can already tell on 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 social networks that there's so much pressure so much pressure on the Chivas hierarchy now to to kind of get rid of Tenor um obviously he's he's kind of he wasn't chosen by um by um you know the the current people mm-hmm. making decisions in uh, in Chivas, so you know he's he's obviously had to kind of um, you know he's, he's he's he kind of had to win him over at the end of last season, but there's still that doubt whether he is the the right person to to to, to lead this project. Yeah, and looking elsewhere, the results uh, you got to talk about Juarez's three to one away win over Medica. Of course, what a lot of people want to bring up is the fact that Jorge Sanchez got a red in the very very early stages of the match. Medica went down to 10 men. And uh, even though they were down to 10 men, I thought it was still pretty average performance from Medica, to be honest. I know, like, it sounds weird to say that, that if that they had an average performance, like, after going down a player. But I don't know. I feel like in, in previous games where Medica have gone down to 10, you feel like they're still able to fight. They're still able to do a decent job against, uh, especially at home and against a side like, uh, you know, like Juarez. But... I mean, and I know some people will say that maybe Juárez needed a little bit of luck to get this win, but I mean, some of the best teams each season you know, need a little bit of luck. And there have been better teams in the past who weren't able to capitalize uh, on a 10-man America, and they did very well. I mean, they look like they could potentially be a playoff team, but I guess the question for me with Juárez is, you know, how long can they keep up this run? You know, because it wasn't long ago that we saw that 4-4 four to four draw that they had, you know, so let's not forget about yeah. that. But but still, very, very impressive result for, for Juárez. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for America, I mean, um, Jorge Sanchez, you know, he's, he's got to he's got to be better than that now. He's 22. He messed up in was it a final? Yeah, he messed up in the yeah. In, it was in, the second leg. It was the second leg, right? It was the second leg that he that he messed up, right? Yeah. Or was it the first leg? I forget. But yeah, he yeah. messed up in the, in the final. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you know, you see some comments and it's like they're kind of writing him off as a player. You know what I mean? And I think it's ridiculous to go that far, but. Yeah, he needs to he needs to learn from these experiences. It's what young players do, and you know you do hope that that he can learn from it because at the end of the day, he costs his team three points for me. You know, I think if America would have kept with with eleven players, then it would have been well, obviously a lot more difficult for Warriors. But yeah. I think Warriors are here to stay. Honestly, I don't think you know. I'm not saying they're going to win the league. I'm not saying you know that this is a you know one of the best teams in the league. But I just look up front. Um, I look, I look at this the lineup up front, and it's it's exciting. I mean, maybe yeah. apart from Flavio Santos, who, you know, he, he does work hard, and he, you know, but he's not he's not the best. But I mean, I think Lescano up yeah. front, and then especially Roland coming coming off the left, cutting into his right, uh, scored another goal. The Uruguayan, I think he was at where was he? Villarreal? No, uh, he was at a Spanish team anyway last last season. But I mean, this this is a guy who's played in League One in in France. Uh, played regularly in League One as well, um, and, and I don't know him and, and Lescano together. They look really, really dangerous. I think Intriago as well, the Ecuadorian international. Yeah, Intriago. Uh, I think he already has a couple of assists so far this season too. So yeah, only if he can, yeah. And Esquivel as well. The you know the 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 you know he looks like he's going to be in the in Mexico's um, Olympic squad. He, he's also you know a good a good young talent. So I don't know. 
I, I don't think I don't think Warriors are gonna are gonna win the league. I mean, at the no, end no. of the day, um, you know, I, I've got questions at the back. You know what I mean? But I think that that going forward they're gonna cause trouble to any team in the league. So. Um, so it's good to see. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's I think it's been a real positive this season to see Juarez and 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 San Luis, you know, do so do so well. And and you know, let's throw Carretero into that as well. I yeah, mean, I Carretero going to Monterrey and winning. I mean, you know, I know you know we talked before, says so I know that you know Monterrey aren't in the best shape they've been. Um, you know, this coming into the season, but I mean. Again, that wasn't a game that kind of it wasn't a fluke, you know. Vucicic has got this Cavetero team set up really, really nicely. Yeah, you know. Agreed. And again, you go through the names of the players, and it's like, you know, there's not a lot of players that are jumping out of you, you know, and where you're saying, "Oh, this guy is absolutely." But yeah, I tell you what, you put now Quelban, who's a say. nightmare to play against, and you put Fabian Castillo up next to him up front. Castillo's absolutely rapid. Very difficult to predict. Great movement. Now, well, Pan is, I don't know, maybe the best player in the league with his back to goal. I say, you know, I say, I always like to say he's the he's like Zlatan light. <laughs> he's like the yeah. poor man Zlatan. Great touch. <laughs> Zlatan. Oh. Great touch of the ball for like a big guy. You know, very like definitely powerful. Like pretty, like surprisingly kind of like mobile. But yeah, he's definitely the poor man Zlatan. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a that's a great description. But but yeah, I mean, and and he's. You know, Vucicic took a risk. He, he, you know, he dropped Marcel Ruiz to, you know, to a deeper midfield role yeah. uh, alongside Big Cliff. Um, and you know, you put on paper, you look at Marcel Ruiz, nineteen years old. You know, not exactly known for his kind of tackling. You know, and, and Big Cliff Abogaye. He's probably uh, shorter than me, to be honest. <laughs> of him. I mean, he looks like he's twelve years old, and you think. You know, is that going to be able to stop kind of Monterrey's midfield and and you know what Monterrey, the firepower that Monterrey have? Um, but I tell you, you know, but where they where they where they lack kind of that aggressiveness and the physicality, those two in central midfield, they, they made up for it in terms of what they do when they're on the ball because both are really, really, really technical, good players and know how to use. You know when they get possessed and they know they know what they're doing, um, and I thought that that was you know it was it was absolutely you know it was, it was a great I don't know I thought Vucicic really uh, got one over there on Mohamed to be honest, um, and, and, and you so know, did now so did yeah his old club you know I think that's important as well because I don't know I was thinking today just just before you go into it says I was thinking today but you know we we talk about you know Diego Alonso obviously there. At, at, Monterrey and then Mohamed came back, but I mean, I would have loved to see Busitich take over this the squad that Monterrey have, given that he lives there still and you know he he's got such roots to that to that with that club. It would have been amazing to see him get or or in the future for for Busitich to get another goal with this squad. I was saying the big factor there was Nahuelban getting the. The golazo and the 90th minute there with his mask and all. He looked he looked like a some sort of like like some sort of villain or some sort of gladiator out there. Yeah, exactly. He did look. Yeah, there you go. He looked like a gladiator out there with that mask and his like bald head and he's like towering over people. But I mean, that was fun. Could be a game changer like that. I think there are a lot of uh, bitter Cholos fans who are watching that because now with Bond used to be a Cholos. Fabian Castillo. I know this is it was a different season, but he used to be with Cholos too. And of course because. Querétaro is now under the same ownership as Cholos. So while Cholos are struggling, 
looking at Caretro and the Cholos fans and thinking, well, this kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. That they t- they took Nahuel Pan, they took uh, Julian Velasquez. Yeah, it's just it's it's gonna be interesting, kind of like I don't know, a bigger picture look at some Liga Mekis like ownership. Like yeah, it's how, not great, is it? Yeah. Yeah, how Schultz well, ownership will try to deal with Gerethro and Schultz, because right now they, they threw some of the better players over there to Gerethro. And Gerethro are benefiting while Scholes are, I mean, they lost 2-1. to one. That was a pretty dismal game. But at the same time, I think from some of the other news that stood up to me this league of Mikey's weekend, I think Scholes were dismal. But they're going to get Edwin Cardona, which could be fun. He's I mean, at his best, he's one of my favorite league of Mikey's players. So it might be kind of yeah. interesting to see what he does in Tijuana. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's definitely going to be interested. I'm not convinced it's going to work, but it's definitely yeah. going to be interesting. And I, I'll tell you why, you know, if they can get Mille Bolaños and Edwin Cardona playing together, you know, yeah. really connecting, clicking, on, you know, getting a, some chemistry on the field, that's going to be so, that's going to be absolutely amazing to watch. But I've got my Especially doubt. with Sanvesel too. Because I think you can make, I mean, it's going to be tough, but I think you can make room for Sanvesel for Bolaños and also for Edwin Cardona, that could be that could be a lot of fun. I like yeah, I'm, I have my doubts too. I honestly have yeah, my doubts. I think as well. it could go really wrong because I think Mila Bolaños as well is and you know his reputation in the best in terms of you know off the field and and Cardona's obviously had his problems as well. <laughs> it could be it could be explosive as well. But you know it's it's good to see. Though. I like I like Cardona. I like him. I think he's, you know, he's, he creates stuff. He, you know, I don't know. He's, he's an exciting player to watch. So, so we'll see. Um, I don't know. Final, final point. I mean, Nakaxa two 0 against Puebla. Yeah. Um, Santos one, Pumas one. Um, and I think the last thing before we move on, um, Leon against Morelia. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We kind of, I feel like sometimes we skip over Leon a little bit. Um, maybe we'll talk about Leon next week more, but. It's like this, they're continuing to get it done, aren't they? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they're just continuing to roll on, and I don't know. It's uh, you know they're a good team. I mean, I mean, I know it sounds a bit stupid saying that, but they're looking like a really, really good team again. Um, and to be honest, you wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, I'd quite like to 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 see Leon win the title, either the Concacaf Champions League or this or this. Or the, yeah. or the clausura. And I don't say that from a kind of any kind of fan point of view. It's just the type of football they've been playing now, you know, since really the start of 2019 under Nacho Ambriz. I don't know, I just think they deserve some bit of silverware. You know, they, they're really you're attacking, you know, every game they're going out and they're attacking. Um, and, and the one, you know, 2019, no team won more Liga MX games, no team won more points in Liga MX than Leon. And I think that it, it, it'd be good to see Nacho Ambriz as well, you know, kind of get rewarded for, um, you know, for, for his for what he, for what he's created at Leon. Yeah, and they're sticking with Ambriz, which is nice, you know, because I mean, there's so many other Liga Mekis teams that just don't give a coach enough time to really create a system, to really create a vision. And you can see Leon really following through with that. I mean, you talk about that attack-minded kind of like idea, and you see that with the huge amount of goals that they've already scored so far this season. They've got, what, I think it's like nine or ten goals so far at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, it's it looks like it's going to be another fun season under Ambris. But also, I think we got to give um, some credit to, to Cota, who had some uh, good saves in net there. Uh, for Leon and this win. But yeah, I mean, it might be another season uh, up top where Ankel Mena uh, leads the goal-scoring charts because that's his uh, fifth goal so far this season. So brilliant start to the year for Leon, as expected. Like you said, I think they're benefiting from uh, once again playing under th- this attack-minded style under Ambris. 
Defo, Defo. Should we, uh, should we do the old Pizarro? Yeah, that's what the people want to hear, Tom. All right, so let's, let's, let's discuss this. Obviously, it's nothing is official just yet, but there are strong rumors, uh, strong leaks, and numerous reports that looks like Pizarro is going to be going over to enter Miami. What's for you? What, what, what comes to mind when you think about this deal? What comes to mind when you think about Pizarro? potentially or i should say likely going over to major league soccer because it looks like all signs are pointing to him joining them uh, ahead of the 2020 season yeah i mean um yeah a few a few things <laughs> a few things first of all i don't know i mean it's been a mess the way it's all come out and you know yeah. what i mean i actually heard about this i heard about it about 10 days ago mm-hmm. um you know that there was interest that it did you know Miami had put him on a priority list and, and that, you know, they were free to then negotiate. Um, but it's been really weird because basically Pizarro's people have been kind of filtering out news now for, for the last year, not just recently, that, that there's this buy release clause for European clubs, um, which is half the price would that it'd be for Liga MX clubs. And, you know, let's if we put it 20, 20 million for legal max clubs because I think they bought him for fifteen million, and then ten million for European clubs. So that that's the kind of what what's been put out there. But then there was always this doubt over whether that included MLS clubs. Um, but I heard I heard that they, they were actually there was the half price one was was for MLS clubs as well for for other foreign clubs. But I just I, just, I don't I don't know I, I just think some of the this wrangling about why it's not been done yet. I think Pizarro wants to go. I mean, I think that's, you know, obviously the, the reports are that he's, they're going to double his wages and his wages are already really high. You know, that he's not going to be too far off making the same as Chicharito. I mean, he's going to make a lot, a lot of money. But I think the discrepancy between those two those two clauses might be might have led to this kind of, just to how long it's been going on now, this kind of, you know... Just, just to, just to, just to kind of get a deal between between the clubs. So, I think that's the first thing. I think, secondly, the reporting. I'm not going to name any names, but it's just so difficult to kind of work when you get two, three people coming out saying it's absolutely done when it's just not. You know what I mean? It's it's just so difficult because everybody in Mexico, I think they they're always trying to get out there, obviously before the other people, and it's just. I mean, oh, we saw that with the Chicharito stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, and it's just I don't know. It's just difficult to kind of to keep up, um, especially when you're working in it and you have to kind of, you know, kind of filter through, um, you know, kind of filter through some of the stuff coming up. But yeah, uh, but yeah, and then all right. So I mean, if we if we say it is going to get done, you know, what do I think of it? Um, I think that it's an example of. Pizarro would be an example of a Mexican player, and I think it was exactly the same with Marco Fabian, who's now playing in Qatar for Al Al Sad. Um, in the, it's too late. It's too late to go to Europe. I mean, you know, Fabian won won Olympic gold, and that was the right time. Pizarro won the championship with Chivas, and that was the right time. Um, but instead of kind of you know moving moving straight there, the, you know, Fabian went to Cruz Azul. You know, Pizarro went from Chivas to Monterrey. And it's like, instead of going when you're 22 years old, you know, you, you're messing around 25, 26. I mean, Pizarro's uh, 26 on 15th of February. It's just, it's, that's not the time to do it. I mean, just 
from a playing point of view as well, you, you know, you need to get used to it. We're seeing with Chucky Lozano, Edson Alvarez, that it's not easy, that it takes time to kind of adapt to the big leagues. And, um, you know, for Pizarro, I thought he really blew it at the Club World Cup. I thought he kind of showed up. I mean, he's obviously a very, very talented player. But, you know, he's just, he took too many touches on the ball. He was, I don't know. And he just, the contrast between him and Charlie Rodriguez, who were just spraying the ball around one touch, taking on players. I mean, I don't know. I, I thought that, you know, that that's basically what I think. I think that, will, will he do well in MLS? Yeah. Can you blame him for taking loads of money? No. Is it good for Mexico? No. I mean, Pizarro's a player that should be in Europe. He's good enough to play in Europe. He's supremely talented. Um, and, and it would be a shame from the Mexican point of view, and especially the national team, if he ended up in, in MLS, um, you know, at this point of his career. Because, you know, you know, you, you talk about it, says that, but I, I think for me there's a difference between if, you know, Pizarro going there as somebody who's never played anywhere else and, you know, Chicharito, Vela, uh, Giovanni. I mean, those guys, for me, you can't say anything. They've been out there. They've put themselves out there. They've tested themselves against the very best. If they come back for a payday in MLS, then you can't blame them. I mean, they're only the people, you know what I mean? Um, and you can't really blame Pizarro, but it's just a, such a shame that he's never, he's, he's unlikely to ever go to Europe and, and get the experience and test himself against, you know, against the best, basically. At the same time, it's not that surprising that someone like Pizarro is going to MLS because MLS has been eyeing these players. You know, MLS, I mean, it makes sense that MLS is looking at some of the best of the best from Liga Mekis because when it comes to, whoever's king of the region, when it comes to ratings and popularity and CCL titles, Liga Mekis is king. So MLS is aiming for these players and eventually one was going to go over. Yes, I would have loved to have seen Pizarro go to Europe. But yes, I would have loved to have seen Pizarro play for some of the best teams out there. But, I mean, I, 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 Major League Soccer is eyeing talent like this. You know, they're looking for younger names too. Yeah, Chicharito, I mean, that's could potentially be one of the more significant, if not the most significant, you know, signing that MLS ever made. But, MLS is looking for younger and younger options. And the fact that Bizarro has national team talent, the fact that he's still in his mid-20s, is something that they're aiming more for, you know? So, yeah. yeah. But, I, I, but I, mean, it, the I think the figures in this one, though, for me, are mind-blowing. I mean, you know, let's see what the final price is, but and the wages as well. I mean, this is, for me, it's like another step. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you expect it with Chicharito. Everybody knows it, you know what I mean? Everybody knows that he was going to get a massive deal in MLS because we know what he kind of represents. But, I mean, Pizarro didn't, wasn't at the last World Cup. Um, they're, they're paying big, big money for him. Um, yeah. and, and for me, even for, you know, it has been slightly, that has been, that's been the surprising aspect. But, I mean, we'll see, we'll see if it goes through. But, um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it makes complete, perfect sense. And it goes back to the thing that we've talked about before, which is, you know, the Mexican player is valued more in North America than than he is in, in Europe. I mean, I think... So it's, the... so it's actually kind of interesting. So we've talked about Liga Mekis teams kind of not stunting the growth of Mexican players, but just making it difficult for them to go to Europe because they'll go for high prices in Mexico. So now I guess we can, we can kind of extend that to Major League Soccer as well because now MLS teams are willing to pay just as much, if not more, for that talent which means that you're going to continue to have this talent not only moving within Liga Mekis teams, but some of the best players moving to Major League Soccer as well. I mean, which is what we've seen recently, too. You know, with some of those top Liga, uh, top Liga Mekis names going over to Major League Soccer. And I guess in an ideal world, I mean, you'd have more young Mexican talent 
replacing these stars in Liga Mekis, or you'd have more young talent moving to Europe, but that's that's currently not the case. Or maybe in the distant future, there's some sort of MLS Liga Mekis merger that could then garner massive TV rights deals and bring over more world-class talent to North America. But that's, I mean, that's all a pipe dream for now. So, I mean, for the time being, it's just that Pizarro's going over to major, more than likely, he's going to go over Major League Soccer. And the funny thing is, too, he's going to, I think he's going to have high expectations under Diego Alonso. You know, this is a Miami side that's been chasing players like Edison Cavani and also Pedro. And I think he's going to have to step up and play better than he has in recent months. Because like you said, the Club World Cup, he wasn't really that impressive, you know? He was, no, he's, no. Been str- he's, he's, he's been struggling in recent months. I feel like that's something maybe MLS fans don't want to hear or Inter-Miami fans don't want to hear. But Pizarro hasn't been at his best. He's looked lost in the last several months. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it, it's been... Yeah, I don't think he... Uh, Mohamed's style of play suits him because I think it's more direct. They want to move the, fo- the ball forward as quickly as possible. And Pizarro, especially when he's playing a number 10, he's kind of... I don't know. Honestly, I think he kind of slows it down, to be honest, when when really what Monterrey want to do is, is you know, move quickly and get the ball uh, forward quickly. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you compare the stats from Pizarro's 2018-2019 seasons... Um, under Alonso, and you compare those to what's 2019 and the start of 2020, um, you know, you look at the kind of, you know, the expected assists, the expected goals, chances created, um, they've all gone down. <laughs> you know, shots on target even have gone have gone down significantly. Um, and, and really, Pizarro's best, best period came under Almeida at Chivas. You know where he was. Yeah. You know he was scoring a goal. You know every four games he was assisting. You know he was assisting. He was creating chances. I think almost two chances a game. Um, and and since then, really, he's kind of he's kind of he's gone downhill a little bit. Let's yeah. be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, which is which is interesting because I know that most Mexican soccer fans are bothered with the fact that Bizarro's going to be moving to MLS. But I think the funny thing is, I don't think Monterrey fans really care. That much, you know, he hasn't he hasn't really done much in recent months. They have plenty of options in the midfield, and if they can get some big money, I mean, they can potentially get some more good talent over the summer because yeah. Pizarro's leaving. I, th- I think that's the interesting thing. I think Monterrey fans might might not even care that much that he's going to potentially be going. Yeah, no, I agree. I think in terms of Monterrey fans, and on you know the other thing, he was just so he was so loved at Chivas as well. That it's almost like you know what you know when the players are so loved by one team, it's difficult to go to another and feel that same support. Um, and yeah, and the other thing he hasn't he hasn't played well. So, but um, but the the only thing I'd I'd also say is that um, I can't remember now. <laughs> I know what I was gonna say. But, well, but we're talking about it? Rodolfo Pizarro. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? You are man. <laughs> well, um, but but your other point about yeah, now I remember about Monterrey and the money. I don't think they need the money. I don't think yeah. they even care about the money. Honestly, yeah. I don't think they care one little bit about getting. Fifteen or twenty million for Monterrey. What do you mean by the, that? What, what do you mean by as as in like they have plenty of money as it is already to begin with? So why does it matter? Like what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. I mean they're owned by FEMSA. Um, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of it's. I think it's a club that's there to to make statements to to have big name players and yeah. Don't get me wrong, the money's always nice, but I don't think they're concerned about the money. I mean they've just gone out and signed Aki Loba for ten million dollars. They've gone and signed Granivita. Uh, it will be on big wages. Um, I don't know. I, you know, Miguel Layun's on the bench and he'll be on big money. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, 
I don't think they they care that much about about whether they're going to get even even if it's twenty million for Pizarro. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with what you said, though. I don't think Monterrey fans will be kind of you know crying if he does go. Yeah, well, Tom, we got a few minutes left here, so let's uh, move on to women's Olympic qualifying. Uh, so the good news for Mexico fans is that. After two wins, Mexico is now qualified for the semifinal round of uh, the Olympic qualifying tournament. Uh, and that semifinal match will be on Friday. And that'll determine whether they go to the Olympics or not. The bad news is, is that they're more than likely going to have to beat the United States on Friday to qualify for the Olympics. Uh, the United States just won 6 nothing against Costa Rica, which means that Mexico is going to potentially, not potentially, they're going to have to beat Canada tomorrow in order to avoid that match against the United States. I mean, Tom, it looks like more than likely it's going to be a David versus Goliath kind of situation on Friday for Olympic qualifying, which is, for me, it's a little depressing because I feel like the, the women's team has impressed me so far in the group stage. I know they still have one more game left and the script can, can, can change completely, but, I mean, it's, 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 it, it's looking like it might be a, a, a very, 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 very extremely difficult battle for them to make it to the to the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. I, I, you never know. You never know. I mean, we just gotta gotta hope that um, you know something remarkable happens against Canada. I mean, I think that it would have been good to have um, to, to only need a draw. You know, I think beating Canada's you know getting sneak you know getting a draw against Canada one thing, but then you know. Beating them, I mean, Canada beating sent 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 Kits and Nevis eleven zero, and then they beat Jamaica nine zero, and it's like they scored twenty, <laughs> they're averaging ten goals a game. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But um, but I don't know. Who knows? I mean, if 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 the footballing gods were to give me one kind of wish for two twenty twenty in terms of Mexican soccer, I'd I'd just put it I'd put it on. The Mexican women team being at the Olympics, so well that's the know, issue right there. It's 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 the women's Olympic qualifying. No, no, no. You you gotta you gotta you gotta pray to Olympic goddesses if you if you pray to Olympic gods. You know, <laughs> might not give much attention. You gotta pray to Olympic goddesses in this situation. The yeah, yeah. football goddesses is what I should say. Yeah. I'll pray to anyone. I'll pray to anyone who listens. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. I mean, it would be it would be amazing if it could happen, um, and Mexico could could avoid. Um, the United States because the United States are obviously absolutely ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I mean, just got to hope that, that the team puts in the absolute performance of their lives and they can uh, and they can manage it. And then, you know, Mexico would. I mean, it's not even like even if they get the result against Canada. I mean, they go then against Costa Rica, and I think that would be uh, another tough game. But I think Mexico would just about be favourites for that one. So, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it how it goes, but. Um, but yeah, it's a real shame that Concacaf only get two as well, and I don't know. It's kind of I don't know. You see the other side as well, don't you? In terms of when we look at the men's side, it's always like we we look at Mexico from the from the giant. You know what I mean? Mexico, yeah. the giant. Why are we playing the Nations League? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Um, we want to play these big teams, and it's like this is the flip side of it now. You know, Mexico needs to play more quality games against quality opposition on the women's side. Um, because because the gap, I mean, the gap is 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 bigger on the women's side than the than the men's side in terms of, you know, you've got the best team in the world, you've got another team that's you know arguably top five, top eight in Canada, and then you've got Mexico, you know, probably what between twenty and thirty, and so you know there's there's big gaps on the women's side, and um, 
kind of only overcome them by by kind of obviously the league helps a lot from the Mexico point of view, and it is going to take time, but but also playing regular matches, and I think it's something the Mexican Federation have have got to look at really hard because at the end of the day they make a lot of money on the men's side and playing in the states and stuff, and um, you know I'm not saying they do all bad stuff on the women's side, but I, I definitely think that. You know, I mean, if Mexico don't, you know, reach the qualifying, it'll be, you know, they didn't make the World Cup, no, they didn't make the Olympics, and it's, you know, it's time to really, to know, really have a long hard think about how you're going to approach, you know, the what what comes next, you know, i.e. the next World Cup cycle, because um, you have got a league there, you've got a really really good league, and um, you've got players coming through, and it's just a question of how you're going to harness harness that. Um, and match it up with the Mexican American players, who obviously have come from very, very different backgrounds, very different training, um, and yeah. But you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, but yeah, I mean, what I'd love to see to happen is just to go for a really big name coach and pay him a lot of money, and and somebody to over oversee kind of that first team for the next four years and put something properly in place. You know, that seems unlikely though, doesn't it? Like it seems like yeah. You see, like some of the issues. I mean, what was? Um, I mean, I know it's like a, it's like a Liga Mekis Femenil, but what was it? Um, there's some report that some of the Rayadas players, like they had to bring like their own little like mattresses on on some sort of team bus because uh, they didn't want to like injure themselves because there weren't enough seats, and they're just. I mean, it's just it's not out of the ordinary to see reports like this where just there isn't enough investment in Liga Mekis Femenil team. So if there is an investment in that, I mean, you know yeah. how how what's it like for the for the national team, you know? Yeah, no. Um, Monterrey, they play against Tigres, and I think they play against Santos. But the next nearest away game is eight hours, um, and they travel all by bus. Yeah. And then to get to Mexico City is like 13, 14 hours. And then they get there and they play the game, and then they go back. And so I don't, I don't think some of the players are happy. Um, Tigres fly up, fly around. On, on on planes, <laughs> obviously, and um, <laughs> and, um, and and yeah, and, and Monterrey haven't been given given the bonuses by uh, the beer company. That actually, um, the the if you remember, after they won the title, the players weren't happy because they hadn't been given the bonuses promised by the club, and they were given an iPad instead, and. Um, a beer company stepped in and said, "Don't worry about it. We're going to pay you wages for a season." I think. I think it was, "We'll pay you wages for a season." Was that Corona uh, who did that? That was Corona who did that, right? Or yeah, am I, am I, yeah. And 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 they haven't paid yet. And so it's kind of like I don't know. So they used all this publicity. I'm sure you tweeted. I tweeted. We all tweeted. Yay, Corona such good people <laughs> and then and then they don't follow up so i don't know it's just that kind of that, i think that's the issue with Liga mx feminine as well it's yeah. and, and you know i put myself in you know I, i'm you know we're, we're all kind of slightly to blame in that you know we, we we focus on it when there's a massive game and the final and you know what i mean but we're not we need to focus on it like on a week by week basis um and the clubs do as well i mean you know you can't be traveling around in those kind of conditions um and want to have a team you know that 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 is going to be fighting for Olympics and and you know going late on in World Cups. I mean, the other thing on the women's side as well is things are moving rapidly elsewhere in the world. I mean, yeah. I think on the men's side as well, we we kind of forget that 
And I think that's the worrying thing about kind of the lack of players now in Europe. But on the women's side, it's it's probably even more. Um, you know, you look at the the league in England, the league in Spain, league in France, Germany. I mean, things things are moving forward pretty quickly. Um, and you can you saw it the last World Cup with you know with the basically with the European the strength of the European sides. Um, you know, I think I think the the, Latin, the other Latin American teams as well, the South American teams, apart from Brazil, who are obviously always um, been pretty decent. You know, I think they're gonna they're gonna rise as well. And it's like Mexico also has to be making those steps. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a tough one though. We'll see though. Honestly, I think fingers crossed for for this Canada game. No, I think that the, I think the there is still a possibility though. You know, if we can't we can't roll out Mexico out just yet. I mean, maybe against the United States, but against uh, Canada, I think we can't roll it out just yet. I mean, Rene Cuellar has had a fantastic tournament so far. Uh, Janelle Farias uh, from Chivas, she's actually been, she's done incredibly well in defense. And she's been a great passer and distri- uh, distributor of the ball, too. Uh, Stephanie Mayor has done a great job. Uh, Bernal, uh, the defensive midfielder, she's done an incredible job, too. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I'm not counting out this team just yet. I know that they're... It'd be nice to have someone like Sherilyn, like Coral, in this roster, but I've been, I've been very impressed by them. I I I think that they've been done quite. I, they've impressed me. They've they've impressed me. Not saying that I had low expectations for Mexico, but they've definitely exceeded my expectations. That should have been the thing that I should have started off with. And I, I don't care about the League of Mackey's teams. They they exceeded my expectations. That's uh, my what my answer should have been for uh, the big question. To, but they they've got some some decent talent in here. You also have Maria Sanchez. You also have Ovalle, who does well in the wings. I I, I think there, there there is still a chance that they could you know upset Canada or if needed to get the win against the U.S. Yeah, the odds are small, but I I, I think that they still have the ta- the talent still there. You know to to really to have a you know, shocking result for at least for against Canada or against the U.S. Yeah, let's, I, I hope it's against Canada because <laughs> I think yeah, against the too. states it's just I don't know it's just a different proposition in it, but. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed that it um, it goes yeah. well, and um, and that this time next week we'll be talking about um, you know something. You know, I mean that's the other, the flip side as well. This, this is a massive opportunity, so let's just hope that, um, like I said previously, like the, the the players just have the the absolute game of their lives and and get it over the line. Yeah, no, keeping my fingers crossed. I'm gonna go with. Let's go with some predictions, just just for fun, just for fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna, my prediction will come from uh, my heart as opposed to my mind, and I'm going to say that Mexico gets uh, a one nothing win over Canada, and then they they defeat Costa Rica uh, for a spot in, in the Olympics. What what are you thinking, Tom? No, uh, yeah, exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, it'd be a massive upset to to beat Canada, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Tom, any other final thoughts before we wrap things up? Final thoughts before we wrap things up? Not really, no. Um, what else we got going well, down? Hopefully, uh, we, we see got... some minutes for the Utopales going forward. Hopefully, we see some minutes with them. Yeah, yeah. Lozano um, again on uh, you know unused substitute. It's not it's not great at all that. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. I'd love to see Pizarro try and do something in Europe. I'd love to see this next batch of players as well, but it's just really tough. It's tough to get over there, isn't it, right now? So so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, 
think that that's, that's about it for us. Many thanks to Tom, all the Mexico Soccer Show crew work behind the scene, and also the listeners. Yeah, like uh, we mentioned, big week ahead for women's soccer in Mexico, so let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, they make them get something done there. And uh, thanks again, and until next time, we'll see you on the next edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. See you guys around.